Welcome to Asbury United Methodist Church. My name's Pastor Will. Thanks for joining our podcast. This is where you'll be able to find all of our sermons, as well as special devotionals and interviews. We hope these messages inspire hope and bring support as you grow on your journey of faith. If you have any questions, or if you want further conversation, or if you simply like what you hear, connect with Asbury through our Facebook page or by checking our website at asburymaitland.org. Well, years ago, there was a story in the Canadian version of the Reader's Digest, and the story was about a wild moose that got loose and wandered into a residential area of Calgary, Canada, which I found out as I was doing some preparation for this message happens pretty often up in Canada. We have alligators, don't we, wander into our neighborhoods in Florida, uh, sometimes into our swimming pools. Uh, They have moose up in Canada. Uh, Now, personally, I would take a moose over an alligator. I wouldn't necessarily take all the snow they have in Canada, but I would certainly take the moose. At any rate, uh, this moose ended up in the front yard of a woman by the name of Lorna Cade. So Lorna Cade looked out her window, and much to her amazement, there was a moose in her front yard, and so she contacted a wildlife officer to remove the animal from her property. So the officer came out, and for the next two hours, how many hours? Two hours, this officer tried his very best to encourage the moose to go back into the woods, but to no avail. He was not having any kind of success. That moose was stubborn. He would not budge, would not move. The officer had no other choice but to take a tranquilizer dart and to shoot the moose. So that's what he did. He shot the moose. The moose understandably freaked out, ran away as fast as he could. He got kind of wobbly and then ended up falling down on another person's lawn nearby. Well, the reporters who were covering this story, because of course there were reporters covering this story, they interviewed the woman upon whose lawn the moose had fallen down. And they asked her, well, what do you think about all this? What do you think about this moose collapsing on your lawn? And she said, I'm surprised, but to tell you the truth, I'm not nearly as surprised as my husband's going to be. And they asked her, well, what makes you say that? And she said, because he's out moose hunting right now. If you're looking for a good definition of irony, there you go. That man went looking for a big moose, and yet a great big moose came to him. And folks, on a much bigger, much grander, and obviously more profound scale, that's the message of Christmas. That's what we're celebrating this evening. That as human beings desperately try to search for God, Christmas proclaims the reality that in the person of Jesus Christ, the babe of Bethlehem, God from all eternity, comes to us. Uh, Tonight is Christmas Eve, and Christmas Eve marks the end of Advent. Advent is the season of preparation, uh, the four-week season of preparation that leads us into Christmas time. And during the season of Advent, our congregation here at Asbury has been journeying through a series of sermons called The Characters of Christmas. The Characters of Christmas. We saw the bumper video just a moment ago. The graphic is up here on the screen. Um, In these messages, we have been looking at, we have been exploring, examining some of the various characters of the Christmas story, hoping that by doing so, we will enrich our understanding of the sacred story in Scripture. Now, to catch us up, so far in these messages, uh, we have looked at Elizabeth and Zechariah, and who did Elizabeth and Zechariah become the parents of? 
John the Baptist. John the Baptist was who? He was the forerunner of the Messiah. He got everybody ready for the coming of God's anointed one. We have looked at Mary and Joseph. We have looked at the angels. We have looked at the shepherds. Well, tonight, as we conclude this series, we now come to the greatest figure of all. And who would that be? Jesus. Jesus, I love that. Jesus, whose birth marks the arrival of God in our world. It's interesting. In essentially every other religion of the world, humankind is desperately trying to look for God, trying to find some essence of God, some semblance of God. But Christianity is remarkably different. Christianity is built on the truth that when we human beings were lost in sin and brokenness, unable to get to God, that in the person of Jesus, Almighty God drew near to us. The Apostle John was a disciple of Jesus. He was one of the 12 disciples. He was also an author in Scripture. In fact, he wrote my favorite gospel, and that would be the Gospel of John. So listen with me to what John writes here in the opening page of his gospel. This is from John chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 1. The words are up here on the screen. In the beginning, the Word. And when John says Word, he's referring to Jesus the Son. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God. And the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Him, and nothing was created except through Him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. And then jumping down to verse 14. So the Word became human and made His home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen His glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. This is the word of God for the people of God to which we all say in response, thanks be to God. In this short set of verses, and to be clear, there's a lot more going on in this passage than we have time to get into tonight. But in this short set of verses, John is basically describing in a nutshell the miracle of Christmas. That from before the beginning of time, before anything existed, before this universe existed, before planets existed, before stars existed, before plants or animals or people existed, Jesus existed with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. As Christians, we call this teaching the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus is one of the persons of the Trinity, the Godhead. There has never been a time in which God did not exist. Therefore, there has never been a time in which Jesus did not exist. And everything that was created, John goes on to tell us, came into being through who? Through Jesus the Word. And then, at a particular point of human history that we call Christmas, Jesus the Word, the Son, took on real flesh and blood. He became a human being like you and like me. Folks, make no mistake about it, the cries of baby Jesus from a manger in Bethlehem are none other than the cries of Almighty God. Jesus has come to show us God. There was a teacher named Samantha. Do we have any teachers here in worship tonight? Okay, a few teachers. Well, there was a teacher named Samantha, and she taught at a Christian elementary school. And it was her job every year, because she did such a very good job, it was her job every year to direct the pageant, the Christmas pageant at the school with all the various children. 
And so during the rehearsal, Samantha would say the same thing every year to the kids. She would say, now listen, when you're up there on the stage, there's a chance you might get nervous. Happens to the best of us. So if you forget your line, just make something up. Ad-lib, whatever you do, don't just stand there and not say anything at all. Well, it was the night of the pageant. Things seemed to be going pretty well. There were hardly any hiccups, any mess-ups, up until the end, when the Magi or the wise men appear. Do you remember the three gifts that the Magi brought Jesus? What were they? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And so the first child came up, and he said, Lord Jesus, here is your gold. And the second child came up, he said, Lord Jesus, here is your frankincense. The third child came up, he said, Lord Jesus, here is your... Here is your... He froze. So from the front of the stage, Samantha was whispering, Say myrrh! Say myrrh! Say myrrh! The other kids in the back of the stage, they were whispering, Say myrrh! Say myrrh! But he didn't hear them. He was way too nervous. But then he remembered what his teacher had said. If you forget your line, just make something up. So this little boy nervously peeked into the manger, and he said to everybody, Ooh, look at that baby. He's so cute and adorable. Doesn't he look just like his father? The funny thing is, that kid got it right. Jesus looks just like his father. Listen to what John goes on to say in chapter 1, verse 18. No one has ever seen God, but the unique one, that is Jesus, who is himself God, is near to the Father's heart. He has done what? He has revealed God to us. Jesus has revealed God to us. The Apostle Paul, later in the New Testament, he says something very similar in Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. As Paul reminds us, God is invisible. None of us can see God. And yet by taking on human flesh, Jesus makes the invisible God visible. Listen, the Christian faith is not based on a philosophy that somebody concocted on their own. The Christian faith is rooted in a single word, revelation. Can you say this with me? Revelation. The revelation of God in Jesus Christ. That when we see Jesus, we're not just seeing an ordinary human being. We are seeing God. And folks, think about this with me. Isn't this absolutely baffling? Isn't this incredible? Isn't this mind-boggling and amazing that this is how desperately God wanted to be with us? That even though we were lost in sin, incapable of getting to God, God came among us in Jesus to pursue us and to seek us out? There was a man named Frank who lived in San Diego, California. And sadly, Frank had an adult son who suffered from a heroin addiction. The addiction got to be so bad that the son became homeless. He's wandering the streets of Denver, Colorado. So Frank got on an airplane, left San Diego, went to Denver to go find his son. He worried that if he didn't intervene and do something, his son would die from that addiction. So when he got to Denver, 
he got in touch with a man by the name of Chris Connor, one of Denver's leading advocates for those experiencing homelessness. And in fact, it's Connor's job to connect parents with their lost children. He has done this a long time, but he said that he never had a parent who went so far to descend into homelessness to find their child as Frank. So eventually, Connor got Frank connected with a pastor whose church on a regular basis serves meals to those experiencing homelessness. Frank went to the meal hoping that his son would be there. His son was there. He describes the very moment that he finally saw his son. He has no idea that I'm walking towards him. I can see that he can't stand up without the support of a building. He would appear drunk to most people. To his dad, though, I know from past experience, sadly, he's on heroin. Heavy. I go up to him, and he starts to turn his back on me. I don't even care. I just grab him and squeeze him as hard as I can. For a week, Frank wandered the streets with his son. Wherever the son would sleep, he would sleep. Whatever the son would eat, he would eat. Wherever the son would go, he would go. When asked why he did this, why he went to such an extreme length to be with his son, this is what Frank said. The only thing I could think of was just go there, be with him, and love him. Show him how much his family loves him. Why did God go to the extreme length of becoming a human being that first Christmas? God didn't have to do this. God could have written us off. Why did God do this? The simple answer is because of his love. Because of his love, God refuses. God refuses to be God without us. God does not want to exist without you and without me. And so at Christmas, we see the measure to which God goes to be with us as human beings. And the truth is, Christmas is not the only measure, is it? Because the story of Christmas is always tied up. It is intimately tied up with the story of Good Friday and Easter. That this same Jesus who came among us as a tiny, vulnerable baby ultimately grew up. He led a sinless, perfect life. And then at the age of about 33 years old, he went to Jerusalem. He voluntarily died on a cross. He rose from the dead. So that you and I might come to know in the depth of who we are, forgiveness of sin, salvation, a restored relationship with the one who made us. If our greatest need as human beings had been for information, God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need had been for money, God would have sent us an economist. If our greatest need had been for technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been for pleasure, God would have sent us an entertainer. But our greatest need, the need that you have and I have, that all of us have deep down, is for salvation. So God sent us a Savior, wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. As the angel said to the shepherds that very first Christmas night, for unto you was born this day in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. All God asks that we do is that we receive the Savior. 
So that's the question. The one question I want to leave you with tonight. Have you received a Savior? Have you accepted Him? Yielded your life to Him? Have you said yes in the depth of who you are, the core of your being, to God's coming for you in Jesus? God desires nothing more than for you to do that. A long, long time ago, there was a father who had a son. This father loved his son very much. They had a wonderful relationship. And the two of them together, they shared a passion, a deep, incredible passion for collecting art. They would travel all over the world, adding various treasures to their collection. Only the finest pieces of art would they add. In fact, their artwork was estimated to be worth tens of millions of dollars. Well, as winter was approaching, war engulfed the nation. The son, the young man, he went off to go serve his country in war. And then a short time later, his father received word that his son had been killed while carrying a wounded, wounded soldier to a medic. Understandably, the father was heartbroken. He was grief-stricken, overcome with sadness. And so as Christmas Day was approaching, he approached that holiday for the great deal of heartache. But then on Christmas morning, there was a loud knock on the door. So he answered the door. There was a man standing there with a package, and it was cold outside, so he brought the man inside, and the gentleman identified himself. He said, sir, I knew your son. I was with him in battle. In fact, I'm the man that your son rescued. He took me to a medic and was killed in the process. I wouldn't be standing here if it weren't for your son. And I know that you and your son were into art. I'm an artist myself. I have a gift I want to give you. And so with that, he gave him the package. The old man unwrapped it. The wrapping paper gave way to a portrait of the son that this guy had painted. The old man absolutely loved it. He immediately took it and hung it above his fireplace. It became his most treasured piece. And he had pieces by Van Gogh and Picasso, famous people like that. And even though technically this painting wasn't worth anything, he just loved it so very much. Then a short time later, the old man became sick, and he died. He had no other family members, and therefore nobody to leave his vast collection of art to. And so word got out that there was to be an auction on Christmas Day, on the one-year anniversary of when he had received the painting of his son. So people got on airplanes. They literally flew from all over the world, and people were so excited. But then the very first piece that was to be auctioned off was not on any museum's list. Nobody knew about it. It was the painting of the sun. And so the auctioneer said to everybody, okay, do I hear $100 for this painting? Nobody said anything. Come on, do I hear $100? Nobody said anything. Finally, this gentleman spoke up and he said, sir, why are you wasting our time? This painting's not worth anything. We don't want that. We want the Van Gogh. We want the Picasso. Give us the good stuff. And the auctioneer said, no, I can't do that. According to the will of the old man, this is the first piece to be auctioned off. So do I hear $100? Nobody said anything. 
Well, then this other person spoke up and he said, well, I'll get the painting. I knew the son and I I want to give it a good home and I don't have $100. How about $10? That's all I have on me. The auctioneer said, okay, $10. Do I hear any higher? Nobody said anything. Sold to this man over here. And then he took his gavel, slammed it down, and he said, that's it, the auction's over. People were blown away. What do you mean? Come on, is this a joke? Explain yourself. And the auctioneer said, well, it's pretty simple actually. According to the will of the Father, whoever has the Son gets it all. That's true tonight. That's true always. Whoever has the Son of God gets it all. God was so infatuated with you and me that he came among us in Jesus to be our Savior. By grace, give your life to the Savior. Give your heart to the Savior. And then you will know at the core of your being the hope, the peace, the joy, the love that Christmas makes possible. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.